Welcome to episode 34 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today, we're going to talk about Miami Maker Faire and hand spinners. Let's continue the conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to MADE Podcast. I am Jose Valcarso. With me, as always, is Ray Peña. How you doing? And Claudia Berrigan. Hola. Uh, so we're back, guys. Um, yeah, we've been what is it? Two weeks since the last uh, one? About. I don't. I don't know exactly. Probably at least two weeks because you know we were away because we were in Miami for a bit, and so I think that was that was last week. So yeah, probably about two or three weeks, something like that. But uh, you were kind of uh, vacation slash work. Slash podcast. Uh, yeah, I never call it a vacation when I go to Florida. Um, myself, I know Claudia maybe does call call it a vacation going to Florida, but I don't. It's I, annoying, is what it is. Yeah, it's I get work. a slight tan. Slight tan. <laughs> <laughs> we are barely. You can't in tell. The, you can't yeah. tell. You got tan. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> we are barely at the beach. Barely, like twice maybe, and and in the morning. <laughs> you take the dog with you. No, no, the dog and the cat stayed. We had some friends watching them. Shout out to Cindy and, and uh, Chris who watched the pets. And Alessandra. And Alessandra next door, yeah. Rocks. Um, uh, but you were telling us something about, <laughs> right before we started recording, I, 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 I went right into the show, <laughs> but you were telling us something about an interview you just did? Yeah, uh, it was about, um, yeah, you know, I think it was last week, it was a week ago. Uh, I got contacted by a by a production company that does, and I'm not, you know, I wasn't sure how the whole thing works, mm-hmm. but the way it works is that there are companies out there that they basically produce shows that they're not affiliated with any channel or any network at all, mm-hmm. and then they sell these shows to networks. Mm-hmm. They sell like the idea, mm-hmm. and then the the networks will say, oh yeah, let's order. You know, ten episodes or whatever. We'll buy the show and order ten episodes. But yeah, so that, like that makes sense because that's why after shows you see so many, so many in the credits. Afterwards, you see so many like production things or whatever come up. Yeah. yeah. So I got contacted by one of those production companies uh, because of my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, about a half hour interview. They were they were in London. We skyped it. Nice. And um, so far, nothing yet, but it, it was kind of interesting. They are basically looking for somebody to host a show that does basically what I do all day. Mm. <laughs> you know, making stuff, fixing things, nice. redesigning, engineering, um, and, uh, you know, videotaping it at the same time. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, but but nothing is certain. It was just the, the first preliminary mm. uh, interview. So, kind of interesting. Yeah, that's very cool. So, out of London, which is interesting... Um, because yeah. you would, well, I mean, I, it's funny because the Mythbusters show used to work similarly from what I've heard Adam Savage talk about it. Like the production company was like at Australia or something, even though it was an yeah. American show. Yeah, I think, I think the, uh, the oceans are no longer boundaries. So it don't, doesn't mean yeah. anything anymore. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, we live in a flat world. 
Did they have like an accent as they were talking to you? Like what part of Finland? Yeah. Yes, she was English. Yeah, no, she was the rare <laughs> British person that spoke perfect American, American English. Yeah, <laughs> she was, yeah, she was practicing them. her American accent with me, and I couldn't even tell. And and then a twist, you started doing a British accent just to yeah. just to fit in. <laughs> it was very weird. <laughs> uh, that would have been great. <laughs> that would have been, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we have a lot to talk about today um, because we're going to briefly talk about Miami Maker Fair, which is what Claudia and I were in Florida. Well, part of the reason why we were in Florida. I unfortunately also have family in Florida, which takes me there frequently. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about Miami Maker Fair and then we're going to do. So it's going to be kind of like a two main topic uh, episode, the first. Um, yeah, the first kind of like a major and a minor. Exactly, yeah. kind of like a dual, like a dual major. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, like a dual major, like in college, like you can have two. You, you had you, you, you dual major, didn't you? I did actually. Yeah. That is, that would be a double major, yeah. Double major, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, let's get right into the first topic. Alright, so for the first part of the episode, let's talk real quick about Miami Maker Fair. Now, Ray, you couldn't make it, but you were there in spirit because you, you love you some Miami. And, <laughs> and you grew up there. I so, did grow up there. Yeah. At least half of that story is true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Miami Maker Fair was, was fun. Um, we, it, I guess if I had to describe it, and, and it's kind of hard to describe um, it's a, it was almost like it was more Nova Maker Fair than it was uh, New York Maker Fair, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's a smaller Maker Fair. It's it's fairly large. It's not as small as to say Silver Spring one. The Silver Spring one was probably smaller. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a fun time. We met a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what did you think about Maker Fair, Claudia? Uh, the weather was great. So being outside, I mean, the whole, I think most of the event was outdoors, mm. unlike the Nova Fair or, um, I guess you could say the same thing with like New York Maker Fair that was predominantly outside. Right. Um, it was, it was well balanced too, in, in terms of the traditional Maker Fair, uh, description, you know, so like it's, it's a show and tell. Right. more than anything and it had a lot of universities which was really cool mm-hmm. and seeing the diversity in the universities was also really cool so there was um fiu was there florida international university university of miami um then it was actually at a community college which was really cool as well because it included that um holistic view of of what higher education is doing right now in terms of the maker movement or um, fabrication. Mm-hmm. So what you know, a community college would do with classes, and I was really impressed by it, like the amount of courses that Miami Dade has, and even the facilities that they have. And then you know, like then you see the FIU Architecture School and the uh, University of Miami as a private university, and all of their contacts and the network that they have with Fab Fab Cities Global, like glo- global fabrication work yeah it did pull it did have people from sort of all over as well it wasn't just people in miami um 
if you had to pick one thing, your most favorite thing, everything else was garbage, what would it be? <laughs> Maybe that's an extreme, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, like the, everything else is garbage. I don't know if I would. <laughs> really. I'm just saying, what was your favorite thing that I you saw there? There's so many things. Um, I really appreciated where we were located because we were like in the in the center of the of the maker show and tell area, mm-hmm. and we were like, and then when I say the center, we're like literally in the middle, and we happened to be like right in front of um, Boca Bearings. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciated them. Like, I really liked them. They were so friendly. Um, they were so excited about what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really great group of people, too. Very yeah. nice. Like, and, you know, like, knowing that, that they're also, you know, like, like very, very Boca-like, right? I mm-hmm. mean, like, what northern Miami, like, northern South Florida is like. It was just really friendly, really down-to-earth, really cool, mm-hmm. chill, chill group. And then also, like... Like I said, like they were very excited about bearings, you know, like that's such a like simple thing to do, you know, but like we're excited about these things. Um, yeah, I appreciated that a lot. I really appreciated them. Um, then everything else, I mean, the uh, they weren't the greatest lectures. Yeah, like, I would the, say the that sessions that was, were not the greatest. That was the weakest that. part of the fair. Were sort of the the breakout lecture sessions were not. You know, I only attended one because we, you know, we were busy. We had a booth and everything, but the one that I went to, I was a little disappointed with. Um, now, much... where was this held? Where was? So it was at the Miami Dade Community, Community College. College, but it was the campus that's uh, down in uh, in the waterfront, basically down by uh, downtown Miami, um, across the street, basically from the American Airlines Arena and Bayfront. Okay. So, okay. so it's downtown. Yeah, very downtown Miami. Um, it's actually a brutalist building, which is really cool yeah. too. It was like you know, because like, you and Jose and I are like fans of brutalist buildings, and uh-huh. to see a, a set of buildings like this that have been renovated, and then now they're used in a very community-friendly way, mm-hmm. it takes away from that harshness of a brutalist building. Yeah, I mean, I think the the one thing that's a little depressing there is I wonder how long that community college can be in that area. I mean, surrounded by condos and and sort of downtown entertainment development, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think to me that the, the takeaway from this fair was the diversity of it. There was everything from, you know, like you mentioned, the Boca Bearings next to us was, were guys uh, showing uh, virtual reality. Um, next to them was uh, actually, you'd appreciate this, was the cousin of... The guy that does the Strand Beasts, they were there. Ah, they were uh, there. That is uh, Theo Jansen. Theo Jansen, that's right. Yeah, he, he yeah. was. So they were there selling uh, little model kits of the Strand Beasts and stuff. Oh, um, cool. So yeah, it was very cool, very diverse. Um, and we did quite a few interviews. So I think we'll play as many as we can now, based on the length of the show. And then if you know, if I have more, we'll I'll, I'll sort of put a an uh, an extra episode with the rest of the interviews. Um, but yeah, let's just go to that now. Mm-hmm. Nice, I'm here with Christopher. Yeah, Christopher, tell us uh, who you're with. Hello, um, my name is Christopher Excellent. I'm with Augmented Intelligence Academy. And what do you, what do you guys do? Well, basically what we do is we try to revolutionize the way that um, teaching is done. So rather than, um, our, whole, our whole idea is to change the fact that Nowadays, when, t- when people are being taught, 
they are given the answers, but we want to change that and actually compel the kids to figure out answers on their own. And we do that using um, our robotics tools. So from kids from the age of seven and up, so what we normally would do is we would make them do simple powered mechanisms, physics, um, like gear ratios and all these things. And a child at that age can actually learn that and excel in it. So once that's done and they progress to middle school, what we do is we allow them to actually build robots with Legos. So we make them use Lego EV3 Robotics. So once they use that, what they what the kids will do is they will apply all these tools that they learn and we let them figure out different ways of building robots on their own. What we do is we, we, we step away from you know touching the robot, building it. If anything goes wrong with it, we let the child figure it out. That way the child um, is, is pushed to think critically about problems. And so empowered to do it himself exactly, too. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, so in that, in that critical thinking skill is something that you can use in anything. So even if the child was not to focus on something in engineering, they could apply that to whatever, like as a doctor, as a lawyer, or whatever. The whole um, process of you know critical thinking is, can be applied to that. Oh, very That's basically cool. what we're trying to push for. And you said, so you go into middle school, do you go high school as well? Or yeah, no? we, we, we do high schools. In high school, we once they, once they, once they get through the middle school, in high school, we actually make them do um, 3D printing, CNC milling machines, CAD right. designs, and actually work on a metal robot. And uh, where do you have where do you have all these tools at? As of as of right now, what we're doing is we're kind of we're expanding. So we cater to different schools. Mm -hmm. So um, right now we have uh, we have one at North Miami Middle School. We have at Miami Beach, Edison K3 Center, and we have summer programs at Redmond Middle School. We're gonna have one for the high schoolers at Northern Senior High School. And we have another summer program for middle school kids at um, FIU Biscayne Bay Campus. Nice, nice. And this is all after school programs. Yeah, we, we, we do after school programs. But we're trying to expand our horizons to like many different locations. That way, all these kids can get that same opportunity. Okay, very cool. We're going, how long have, this, have you guys been doing this? So far, we, we, um, this, this company started two years ago. Uh -huh. And so far, we've been growing, growing, growing. Very cool. Nice. Is this the first time you're at Maker Fair, or have you guys been to previous uh, ones? We've been to Emerge America, and we, um, I think I believe this is our first time at Maker Fair. Nice. Okay. Well, great. That's this is a great program. Thank you so much for sharing it with us and talking to us a little bit about it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. It's gonna be good. So hi, I'm here with Christy, right? Uh, and, and tell us a little bit who you're with. Uh, I'm Christy. I'm with Wrenches Lab, which is a makerspace in Aruba. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we're here exposing at the um, Miami Maker Fair yeah. as part of the America section. Oh, very nice. And uh, so you're a fabrication lab, but you're a unique type of fabrication lab. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you guys got started. Yeah. Um, we well, as an island, so there's a lot of things we can find. So we yeah. wanted a makerspace. We didn't have money to, to make one, so we crowdsourced, so basically at a art program at Atelier 89, we made a call out for a machine building workshop and anybody who wanted to join. So through the workshop people paid to join and um, then we crowdsourced materials like uh, power supply units from old computers and motors from old printers and metal offcuts. And uh, we went on uh, building a CNC cutter, a wow. 3D printer, and a plotter. Wow, so, how, so you have one of each now? Yeah, now, now we have two of each. Two Actually, of each, oh. After we built our first set, um, more people got interested, and then we got a grant to buy another set. So. Oh, nice, okay. So do you, you bought some now as well, or do you yes. still try and make everything yourself? Uh, both. We're actually um, expanding now 
to recycle plastic is a project that came from like a lot of people were like where are you getting your plastic you think about recycling um, and there's no recycling at all on island so we did the same thing again we made a public call out and um, we used open source designs for precious plastic and yeah, started yeah, building plastics. our we've, we've actually uh, looked into his stuff before yeah so, cool. so you guys make those machines yeah wow we're actually in the process we've built uh, all of them now except the shredder oh okay um, nice that's very very cool. How long have you guys been open for? How when did you guys start it? Like how long ago? Uh, last year we started. Um, I think we opened in in January oh, okay. 2016. So yes, yeah, just over a year now. Yeah. Wow, you guys have grown. So you you get a lot of use, a lot of people coming through the space. Uh, we were hosted by uh, Art Academy, the yes. Academy of Fine Arts and Design of Aruba, uh -huh. and so the students are always there. And, but every Monday we're open to the entire public. Oh, nice. Okay. And so, but still not that many, I would say. I think on, maybe we have like 20 regular users. No, that's very cool. Well, thank you so much for telling us about your makerspace. It's amazing. I, I, I can see the, the plotter working from here. <laughs> that's very cool. So thank you so much for sharing with us and uh, keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Alright, so I'm here with Corey from Boca Bearings, is that right? That's yeah. correct. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you guys do over at Boca Bearings. Sure, so first and foremost we are a bearing company. Mm -hmm. uh, we specialize in uh, full ceramic and ceramic hybrid bearings for specialty applications. Yeah. Um, we sell into everything from fishing reels, skateboards, RC cars, all the way up to um, equipment that's going into space and going uh, deep underwater. Um, that's kind of the benefit of ceramics is uh, they're able to operate in extreme environments. Uh, today we are specifically here with the Boca Bearings Workshop. Uh, the Boca Bearings Workshop is our uh, college uh, engineering internship program where we have college engineers come in. Mm -hmm. They learn how to develop a project proposal. Uh, they develop a build list, uh, a budget, and a project timeline. Uh, and then they execute on that and along the way they document each step so that hopefully uh, other makers can come after them and build the same project or other interns and that's basically the gist of it and you know from our side it gives us something fun to talk about as far as all the incredible things that bearings are used in. Yeah, and how long has the program been going for? Uh, so the program is entering its third year. We've had about six interns come through so far. We're on our uh, our newest batch. Uh, they, they, they just started. started. They just started. Okay. They just started in the last yeah. couple months. Uh, and it's very excited. You know, we try and always have at least two interns there. Uh, hopefully, at least uh, five days a week, we have someone in the workshop. You know, we give them access to 3D printers, CNC machines, a bunch of other equipment, and obviously bearings. And do you find a lot of the interns are coming from the universities or even high schools or how, how old do they tend to be? Uh, so we've only had one high school intern so far. The rest have been uh, college engineering college. students, most of them in their junior or senior year. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting program. We definitely uh, we definitely like having people using the workshop because, you know, like I said, we're first and foremost a bearing company, so we don't always have a lot of time to uh, get to play around in there. So. Right. Yeah. Now, you mentioned a lot of the places you guys... Well, first, you're based out of Miami-Dade? Uh, no, we're actually based out of Boynton Beach, Florida. Boynton Beach, okay, which is not that far. It's a little bit further north from here, but yeah. Yeah. Nice, um, but uh, 
you mentioned all the stuff that you guys sell bearings for, but you didn't mention like the hot thing right now that a lot of people are using your bearings for. Oh, you're uh, you're yeah. referring, of course, to the spinner craze. The spinners, the yeah. Fidget spinners. Yeah, so we all of a sudden, it was probably at the Orlando Maker Fair yeah. back in October. We started getting a couple people que uh, asking questions. They're like, hey, do you guys have uh, fidget spinner bearings? And we kind of all looked at each other and we're like, we have over 8,000 different bearings that we keep in stock. I'm sure we have it, but yeah. we don't really know what you're talking about. Uh -huh. uh, and someone came along and showed us what a fidget spinner fidget was, spinner and we're like, yeah, no problem. That's a 608 bearing. I mean, that's yeah. the same size bearing that goes in a skateboard. Uh, right. It goes in rolling luggage. It goes in all sorts of stuff. Right. So that's sort of the most standard, I guess, or the most used bearing. The uh, so that is that is the most common size bearing, uh, yeah. to my knowledge. And uh -huh. as the lore goes, and who knows if this is uh, truly factual or not, but this is at least as it was told to me. The 608 bearing is the most common uh, size bearing in the world because of rolling luggage. Right. So as soon as rolling luggage became a thing, they started producing these bearings of this size in just, you know, in the millions. Wow. And so skateboards use the same size, right. inline skates use the same size, and nice. a lot of makers and uh, people, they have they easy access to, to that bearing. Yeah. So uh, okay. the other one is the smaller 188 that's used in some of the very small hand yeah, spinners. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, one of the guys that does the show, Ray, uses a lot of those size bearings yeah, for his yeah. spinners because he uses smaller ones. Nice. Yeah, so now we're getting a lot of calls from uh, machine shops who are, you know, right. on the side. All of a sudden, they're machining uh, their own spinners. spinners exactly. And so, you know, we go from just selling a, a bearing here, bearing there to a couple kids. All of a sudden, we got a bunch of machine guys saying, hey, do you have 100 bearings you can clean and degrease for me? I yeah. got, a, got a big order of spinners. So. Wow, nice. Very cool. So, it, like, it's a whole side, like, a whole side business that has now given you more places to sell the bearings in. Yeah, and our, our intention all along, you know, we got started 30 years ago selling uh, bearings to kids using RC cars. Yeah, and man. back then, they were only using bushings in a lot of those cars, so yeah. kids were able to improve performance with, with uh, bearing. adding bearings. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of where we always like to sit uh, with students. You know, we sponsor a lot of FIRST Robotics teams, yeah. uh, a lot of uh, F1 schools teams. We're trying to always get, uh, get bearings in the hands of kids because those mm -hmm. kids grow up to be engineers uh, that make incredible things. Oh, and it's great that you guys embrace the new things that are happening. So many companies fail because they're unwilling to embrace new new look, new places to sell their stuff into or new places to use their materials. Yeah, yeah you know, we've been around for, like I said, for 30 years. Yeah. And so that's kind of the benefit of, you know, having that experience is we've seen fads come and go, you know, mm -hmm. parad uh, the parad drones that they were selling at uh, yeah. in every electronic store, you know, across the country. Uh, those had bushings and so people were getting a wobble effect in all of their video and so all of a sudden we started getting calls for the same size bearing over and over and over again and we're like what's going on and you know we always try and talk to our customers we're like hey what are, what are you using these for what are, what are these going into and so all of a sudden we're selling bearings for pair drones and you know this year is spinners and who yeah. knows what next year is but but you guys are ready to yeah, move, we're move always, into that. We're always yeah. ready. <laughs> nice. oh, very cool. Thank you so much for talk, talking to us about it. And if people want to find out more about the intern program, where would they look? Where, where would they go? Sure. Uh, the easiest way is to just go to bokebearings.com slash blog. Uh, you'll see kind of a constant stream of project uh, posts there. Uh, and yeah, you can always reach out to us, info at bokebearings.com, uh, asking for more information. And yeah. Cool. All right. We're great. Thanks so much. And guys, keep up the good work. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you. you. It's good talking to you. There we go. Check out more interviews on episode 34.5, which would be the one right after this one. Thanks. So there you go. Those were, uh, those were some of the interviews we did. Those were great interviews. Very um, nice. Yeah, very cool. Um, I know your favorite interview there, Claudia, was um, with a, another group that was just sort of right across from us. 
And, uh, I forget the name of the yeah. group. Uh-huh. It's Branchy's Lab. Yeah. So yeah, and they're the, the group out of Aruba, which is a, um, a, a fabrication makerspace. Lab. Yeah, a makerspace yeah. fabrication lab that is... In Aruba. It's actually, it's it's crowdsourced right. is the way that they, they frame it. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. What is it? You know, like, and I wanted to talk to them. And then when... Um, yeah, and, and like she said in the interview, they've made a lot of their own machines because they don't have the ability to buy the machines there. And they even made the ones, the, the precious plastics machines. They've made everything except the extruder for the filament. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah, there was yeah, this very one, interesting. There was this one kid. It was really cool. I mean, it was just he came in with his grandfather, and he had so many questions about 3D printing and about Maker and, you know, like, prices and costs. And then, well, for like, you guys? Formats. Yeah, yeah. yeah and he would come back us. often. Like, he, yeah. he would go walk around, and then he would come back with one more question, you know? And it was just so great because he was so into it. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he tells me, so, okay, so he asked me about the the plastics right for a 3d printer like how much do they cost and you know how often how quick does a reel go you know get used and stuff and then i told him i was like well you know recycling is part of what we talk about and you know like the green component to all of this and the fact that yeah you you have a lot of this sort of like waste of plastic i was like if you go across from us to branchy's lab they actually have all the pellets Hmm. And if you ask them what they what they're doing with the recycle, with you know for recycling the the plastic, you'll you'll get more information about it. And he was like, "All right, cool." So he like jumps all the way to the other side, hmm. and he goes and he asks them a whole bunch of questions as well. So hmm. it was so cool, like that, you know, like that excitement. Mm-hmm. And someone it was like I really appreciated him. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good time, and uh, uh, we definitely I think we'll be back. I don't know if I want to make it an annual thing, but... I would. I'll go, but, I'll go by myself, you guys. Fine, we'll go. I'll go to the beach. You know what? That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Send her down there by herself. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll go again, despite my uh, lack of enthusiasm for going to Florida. We can we, we can definitely make an exception for the maker for because it's pretty fine. Yeah, it's like pulling teeth with you, Mo. Yeah. It's Florida. It's Miami. It's beaches, palm, sun, palm trees. All right. See, all of those things are cons. Those are not pros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Maker Fair is a pro, but everything else yeah. you named, not so much. No. So. All right, well, cool. So, yeah, that's the Maker Fair, Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk later about some other Maker Fairs we might be attending. I know DC one's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. So we'll let you guys know when that's, uh, when that's closer by. Um, but now let's go to the next topic on the main topics for this show. <laughs> Alright, so we have been wanting to talk about this for a while, um, and I think, Ray, it'd be great if you sort of introduce this topic a little bit for for the people. I mean, they, they know what we're going to talk about, I'm, I'm saying it if it's a secret, but you know, they can see on the, the title of the <laughs> title of the episode is going to say spinners. So yeah. why don't you, why don't you Guess get us, yeah, why don't you get us started with uh, the spinner stock? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, the, the, um, the hand spinners and fidget toys have been quite, they've been on the scene now for a little bit over a year, maybe about uh, 16 months, but they have really exploded. I mean, just absolutely exploded in the last eight months or so mm-hmm. um maybe a little bit more uh, than eight months but but that gives you an idea and uh, i never heard of these things i I'd never seen one never heard of one until 
that was the Silver Spring. Was that the Silver Spring, Silver Spring Maker yeah. Fair? So we were at the Silver Spring Maker Fair with our booth there. And it just so happens that the booth across from us uh, was the booth from um, the, the Revolve Maker guys. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think actually it was the Red Blue Collective. So it was. It's hard to remember exactly how they were uh, advertising themselves because because they were doing a lot of things at once. Right. So um, it was Mike Hogarty came over and, and saw some of the displays that we had, and asked if we do any machining. And I said, Yeah, of course, that's what we do. And uh, ended up making two hundred of the Alpha spinners that he designed for uh, his production run, and that was my my first introduction was october of last year never seen one never heard of it and now of course you can't you can't kick a rock without <laughs> hitting something to do with <laughs> with <laughs> fidget spinners yeah. yeah yeah and for people that want to hear that's uh, episode 21 with silver spring maker fair and uh, yes so in that episode in episode 21.5 you you can hear that interview with mike yeah so um, they've done quite a few other things since the alpha, but, uh, it got me thinking, you know, mm-hmm. I, I started thinking about these things Uh-oh. and yeah. yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> so it got me thinking. And, uh, one of the things I did is because I had the YouTube channel at the time and they wanted it documented for their, uh, their customers. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of pictures and video and I ended up compiling a video of the alpha, not really thinking much of it you know it was just oh just documenting this yeah. and i'm gonna put it on my channel and then I'll, I'll move on to the next thing mm-hmm. uh that would that video was the first video that i did that really kind of um i would say blew up mm-hmm. um and and it was kind of unexpected because i wasn't expecting anything uh to happen with it because honestly i didn't find these things to be that big a deal mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, and look at it now, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, get, I was getting questions and all kinds of things, and then people started making requests, and which I found weird. You know, mm-hmm. nobody, I make a video of a boat, and nobody says, oh, build this kind of boat. Nobody <laughs> says that, right? Right. So when you when you make these uh, these spinner videos, uh, people start coming out of the woodwork and they said, oh, can you, can you make this kind of spinner? Can you make that kind of spinner? What about this and what about that? So it is a very, um, I would say, a very vocal and interactive market, the, the people who are into these hand spinners and fidget spinners. And they are insatiable. Mm-hmm. Um, they really consume these hand spinners. And uh, I know that, Claudia, you, you did a little research as far as um, – the necessity or or desire for these things but um i you know personally i'm too busy mm-hmm. all the ones i make i only test them and then they i ship them so i don't actually play with any of the ones that i make right. but um before i knew it i started making well you've seen it uh my videos in fact i i just put a new one out this morning the I don't know if, the play button the play button yeah you saw that one yeah well because it's funny because you put that up like in uh, i think the one previous to that that you made the superman spinner yeah at the end of this at the end of the video you said very clearly my, my my channel's not a spinner's channel it's not a spinner channel yeah but you said then, that multiple times right, you said funny. it a bunch of times and then when yeah. you then all of a sudden you're like you're making a play button that sort of like the youtube uh it's, it's basically the youtube achievement 
thing, you know, the, the, the play button, yeah. because that's YouTube's channel, or YouTube's logo, but you made it a spinner, which makes it seem yeah, more like a you're spinner. a spinner channel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I did that because I had these bearings lying around, and I'm like, you know, I, I want to make one of these buttons, and I have all these parts left over right. uh, from other spinners. I'm like, you know what? I know, I'm, I know I said it, I, I'm not a spinner channel. I don't want to make spinners. But this one had to be made as a spinner because you see how big and chunky that thing is. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I made that uh, that spinner. So it's one of those things that is pervasive. And uh, because I've made so many now, it's kind of hard to get away from. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's become part of your of the crowd, basically, that's there. It's, they're there for that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Part of yeah. Part of my current audience, which has exceeded ten thousand subscribers, uh, are I would say I would probably I would even say fifty percent of my audience right. is a spinner crowd. I would say it's that much. Well, and I think it's funny because I think one of the things I noticed is like being at the at the Miami Maker Fair. You know, I I, I printed a couple of them and I brought them with me. It's clearly taken up with kids. Like kids yes. are really into it. Um, but I, I think before we get too far into it, so let's describe for somebody that maybe doesn't know what a spinner is, um, let's sort of describe for them what, what that is. Yeah, well, in, in its most basic form, it is basically a body. It could be a plastic body or a, uh, a metal body. The higher-end spinners are all metal. Um, usually no larger than three inches in diameter right. to its extremities. Well. We'll talk about something like that later, but go ahead, continue. <laughs> um, oh, I, I know where you're going with it. Yeah. And you can see how impractical that was, right? Right. Yeah. So usually not more than three inches. Uh, there are a few exceptions, but most of them are, are smaller than that. Right. Um, and uh, it has a bearing in the center and two caps where you can put your fingertips. Mm. And uh, balance of the, of the spinner is really the most key thing because... People are after smooth uh, spinning, long spinning times, uh, the ability to do tricks or to uh, maneuver it so that it doesn't hinder the spinning of the, of the, of the spinner. Uh, one of the other things that, that uh, has come to light is what they call the, uh, the absence of hotspots. Because uh, you can basically design anything into a spinner, mm -hmm. the spinners are getting to become very elaborate now. And the one of the big warning signs with spinners during the reviews mm -hmm. is that they look for any sharp corners or places that can be uncomfortable to touch or to spin or after continuous usage can wear on your fingers and make them sore. Mm -hmm. So it, that has become a big a big topic um, and in particular uh, you know with my gear spinners I get that a lot because they're actual gears right but um, people who actually have them end up responding and say no no there's no problem with them but yeah in the sim simplest form it's one piece of metal with a bearing and two caps um, that, the that ones you that sort I of hold between two fingers and you spin it yes in your hand. yeah spin it and and some of them are also fidget toys which which don't spin at all. They have like little buttons and right. levers and wheels and things like that on them. So, Claude, I mean, you did a little bit of research about, um, because, I mean, I, I've heard this before, the sort of, but more in a sort of just conversational point of view that, that this thing is supposed to have a medical um, use to it. 
or yeah. a therapeutic yeah. therapeutic application yes and a therapeutic application would be like i think the best uh description description for it mm. the other thing is that it doesn't have to be out of metal right it can be out of plastic correct which is yeah. the 3d printing thing that's important um the other thing so i was just looking at you know like just the regular wikipedia and according to wikipedia the invention was patented in 1997 by Catherine Hedding, Hedinger, hmm. um, and the patent had expired, and that's why many manufacturers have started creating spinners in many different shapes and designs. So it's an interesting thing from a manufacturing perspective, right, in that it was fidget toys were like definitely, uh, I think at the same time as this started getting really popular, everything that Ray mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of therapists... Uh, Specifically in the mental health community, we're like, okay, so what's the big fuss? Because we've been using fidget toys for a very long time for therapy, uh, specifically for ADD, right? Attention mm -hmm. Deficit Disorder. And also, aside from that, also just for anxiety, if you have some type of anxiety. And then um, aside from that, what I, what I read is also from to really channel focus so to channel a person's focus so mm -hmm. a lot of the times you know we all do it and i started like once i started reading this i was like well i do this all the time like i'll play with my ring mm -hmm. whenever i'm thinking like, like or a pen exactly or just moving and then there's other you know um i guess therapeutic needs because there's people who fidget um with their body right so they'll they have to tap their 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 legs or their hands in some mm -hmm. sort of way so having this different types of toys um, helps and not just kids but also adults so um, but there were I mean there's really no direct connection the other the other part that was interesting and right didn't mention this is the everyday carry community right. um, and then they started using uh, the spinners uh, as part of their um, toolkit that they have in mm -hmm. order to you know like get through a day right just to have mm -hmm. so i think that's an interesting thing if you go all over like um buzzfeed or you just any other uh, any of the of the many community online community um reddit or anything like that you'll read that it's predominantly in the edc so explain to people what community so everyday carry uh community is a community that um of people who have um you know, like they, they carry specific items in their in their wallet, mm -hmm. you could say. So, you know, they'll carry either sometimes knives, like just utility knives. Um, I mean, Ray can Ray, Ray can talk to this because I know you you've also um, there there are many of your like of the customers I guess or like people that are within that EDC community. Yeah, yeah, and like I guess if it's not obvious by now that uh, that. It, you know, I, I do make a lot of, of these spinners and I do sell them and I do have a lot of customers that are in the EDC community. I would say probably the vast majority of my customers because of the level of the fidget spinners that I make uh, and, uh, you know, they're the expense. They're not your entry level type of spinners and you don't want to buy these for your for your kids. Um because they are uh, of that level, there it appeals to that group of people that you mentioned, the, the uh, everyday carry folks that uh, want something special. They want something nice. And these people carry usually very high-end knives. And if you haven't seen them, I mean, the, the knives are, are works of art. They're absolutely beautiful. Uh, Damascus blades, 
you know, uh, custom machine grips. It is not unusual to have a $400 pocket knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not an unusual thing. So, uh, you know, it, when you're talking about those kinds of, of uh, users, you know, in the, in the EDC community that are willing to carry something that is nicer and extraordinary, not your typical Home Depot kind of utility knife. Um, you know, they, have, they, um, they demand something that's a little bit nicer. And so this market for higher-end, customized, and even highly customized uh, spinners and fidget toys has really uh, exploded. And this is also the same group of people that have, uh, you know, very nice watches typically as part of their everyday carry. They have these custom knives. Some of them will also carry firearms. Um, you know, so so they have this, uh, I wouldn't say um, arsenal, but they have these, these I, items that yeah. they like to have on their person and they feel comfortable with them. And so uh, it's a lot more acceptable to fidget with a toy that is a harmless toy than a knife. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're waiting for the bus. Right. You know, so when you when you got that kind of situation and they want to fidget and they feel, and a lot of them feel like they have to fidget, that they have to do something. Um, you know, Claudia pointed out something very interesting, like when you have a pen, you know, when the, the clicking of the pen. I know I do that a lot when I'm at my desk, but I don't do it at any other time. But when I'm at my desk thinking, I do I do that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because... You know, when you start talking about, you know, I mean, Claudia, you were mentioning like the ADD part of it and, and helping focus when you have sort of a problem with it. But you know, you're talking about a group of people that don't necessarily have a problem where they need this toy in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they may, they may argue with, with us on that, which, you know, is valid. Um, but, you mm-hmm. know, I, I know a lot of the kids that I spoke with. They clearly just wanted because it was sort of the cool thing to have at this point, because it's clearly mm-hmm. crossed crossed that boundary from, you know, whether it, it does help in focus or it does help with the fidgeting, to like it's just a thing to have right this second. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, it's it, yeah. I agree with you. It's it seems to have gone a little bit beyond right. that market of being strictly a therapeutic device. Right, and not to take away from that. No, of course. But but it's clearly crossed crossed the boundary there. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think that there's a boundary. I think it's more of a of a so those you know uh, some other articles that I read, which aren't that many, by the way, like that actually pinpoint to spinners specifically, right? It's just spinners is a category within the fidget toys, mm-hmm. um, and that's the other thing that you know to point out, right? That this particular thing using this particular product using um, the bearings is is has evolved to doing that, and mm-hmm. I think because it's a it's it's a it's a maker product right you need it's a component you can do it in 3d printing you could do it in metal and mach- you know with machining and then it has like simple simple parts to it then it becomes that that a product mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know, one of the fidget toys in the original fidget toys was the slinky you know it back in the day fidget. that was one of those like um toys and what about I, what about chinese finger finger traps Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know that sort of goes to what I've been thinking about. As we've been talking about, talk, you know, we've been discussing talking this particular subject. Like I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, when you think about it, society has sort of moved towards the need for this kind of item. 
Like we've almost been socially engineered into that. You know, I remember the first one of the toys that I had when I was like eight, seven years old. My grandmother brought this. It was called Simon, and it was basically four lights in a circle, and you oh, had to yeah. follow the pattern. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, it it was interesting because I went from playing with action figures to like all of a sudden I had this toy that just sat there, and I just had to like push buttons to entertain myself. You know, so that was the time that I remember years after that, it was a toy called the Puppet, which was a similar thing to the Simon. Oh, yes. Except yeah. it got more complicated. You had to twist things, you had to push things, you had to pull. And and now when you start thinking about, you know, this guy's, I'm holding this up as people see it, are like our, our cell phones are now have games in it, have things that you can mess with. Like people are constantly on their phones. Like we've sort of moved to this point of having to have something in our hands otherwise we feel like we're not doing something. Yeah. I mean, the way that, like, one of the articles I really like the way that this is described is like, it says this, the principal object of the present invention, meaning the spinner, is to provide a novel device, which is simple and easy to use, which serves a pleasant as a pleasant diversion to the user. And that's, yeah. like, that's such a, like, simplified way of looking at this. And that it also speaks to what we saw in the kids, right? There were kids who had made their their spinners at in, in, at school using the 3D printers right. and they like loved it. They were like, oh, like check out what I made. So the first the thing that came out is like, this is what I made and this is how it spins. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this one kid who used his roller, his, his um, the bearings from his roller. Right, like he took apart his skateboard. His skateboard, right? And he put it together. His mom was really proud of him for doing that. Right. Um, and then there's the kid who, you know, he's like, I, he was younger, younger kid, and he was like, look how, look where I can spin this. Mm-hmm. And he like grabs his, you know, he brings it, bring up, brings up his leg, and he spins it in his um, knee. <laughs> right. And he's like, I look what I can do, and I can put something else on top of it, you know. Right. And so it's like, that's the user of the spinner, right? He mm-hmm. didn't make it, but he's like, these are the things where I can spin it. Mm-hmm. So well, it's I mean, just so fun. Do we think a big reason why this has taken off? Because I know, Ray, the, the ones that you make sort of serve, uh, for lack of a better word, a more higher-end spinner market, right? Yeah, and and honestly, when I... Uh, you know, we just, we described the basic one, right? The right. So, solid body with a bearing in the middle and caps. When I came up with the uh, the gear spinners, uh, at the time that I came out with that I, that concept... No one was making something right. as complicated as a machine that you could hold in your hands. Mm-hmm. So I think, and of course it exploded, but um, when when I did that, people realized that it is it, it doesn't have to be a simple thing. It can be visually quite interesting, mechanical, right. and serve more than one purpose. Right. And, and But let me ask you this. Do you think, though, that a big part of why this has taken off, even though you're sort of serving a more custom-made or custom-for-people market, do you think it's taken off as much as it has? Because there are it's such a simple machine in its essence that a lot of people could make it themselves as well. Um, you mean mine in particular? No, no, I mean in general, the spinners. Oh, in general, yeah. And, and that is actually quite a huge, a huge part of it is because it's such a simple thing and uh, you don't have to have a connection on where you can get bearings, uh, like Claudine was, was saying with the uh, the kid that she was uh, talking uh, about. You can get you know bearings out of your skateboard wheels, out of your rollerblade wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, just about you know any little device at home has bearings in it, and you can modify that. Right. Uh, and then anything can be a spinner. You can take a piece of a two by four, you know, right. 
a piece of any kind of wood, put a hole in it, put your bearing in there. All you have to do is be able to hold it in the center and allow it to spin freely. And so there is an enormous, humongous, huge uh, subsection of homemade DIY spinners at very little cost to free. And um, if you do a search on YouTube for DIY spinner, you will you went you cannot possibly <laughs> you're gonna find something. view every video. Yeah, you're gonna right. find something you'll like. And people are even taking like regular hardware, like nuts, yeah, you know, from nuts and bolts, and and uh, super gluing them together around yeah. the bearing. Yeah, I or, saw I saw one recently where a guy super glued, I think it was like 200 nuts to just yeah. the bearing, and that was the spinner. Yeah, yeah. very quite uh, that yeah. that pattern was quite practical. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it wasn't. It was no. not practical at all. <laughs> it, and it looked heavy as, as all get out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. And then, of course, zip ties. You've seen the zip tie ones? Yeah, I've seen a couple of zip ties. And I, ones, I, yeah. see, I saw some made out of popsicle sticks. Mm -hmm. And there's one guy in particular. His name is uh, Dan the Maker Man. He's got a, <laughs> a, a, a YouTube channel. He took cookie cutters, mm -hmm. like regular cookie cutters, mixed up epoxy mm -hmm. uh, and then poured them into the cookie cutter so whatever cookie cutter shape you you can find he made a spinner uh, a, a spinner and it was a batman spinner mm -hmm. and so he had a batman cookie cutters and used that as a mold poured epoxy in there with a bearing in the middle mm -hmm. and uh, made a, a spinner i mean very simple and easy and custom right yeah, yeah. so you can make anything into a spinner you just gotta have imagination so that example that you just gave, right, was that on YouTube? Did he post it on, on yeah, like and I, some type of channel or anything? Yeah, yeah, he posted on YouTube. It's called Dan the Maker Man. And the reason I mention him in particular, because he was the one who saw uh, my Alpha uh, spinner video. And he says, hey, can you make a Batman uh, spinner? Mm -hmm. And I said, sure, I can make a Batman spinner. And I made a Batman spinner. And uh, that vid that's one of my most popular videos. It exploded. And then he made a companion Batman uh, spinner video, and that's how he made it. He, he did it with, uh, with epoxy. With epoxy. And I, I thought it was actually quite a clever way to do it. Yeah, and, and it's funny because it's – and I wonder I – mean, to me, it seems like part of the popularity of it has become such a thing of like, let's see what people can make a spinner out of. You know, when we were in the Miami Maker Fair, the, um, the Boca Bearing guys – had made spinners out of this, I mean, enormous bearings yes. that, that you actually could put your whole hand in. Yes. And, you know, like that, it, and it was sort of a novelty because, like, not a lot of people had seen a spinner that big, you know? Um, yeah, and it weighs like 40 pounds or something. Yeah, it's very yeah. heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. But, it, it, like, I'm, like, what do you think? Like, do you think that's a part of the popularity of it, the, the ability to make your own? Well, you remember the quote that I just read like, yeah. a little ago? So that was actually from the, um, from the patent, uh -huh. by, by uh, the, the original uh, uh -huh. designer. And when you actually read the patent, and you know, we'll, I'll make the, the, the link available to everybody, because in 1993, when this patent was available, you know, like, she includes drawings in there, she includes a specific um, uh -huh. description, like, like exactly what I read of what, you know, why you have this, this fidget toy. It uh -huh. even has a um, prior art, um, like a back, the background of the invention section mm. in, in, in the patent. And so the reason why I'm, I'm bringing all this up is because back in 1993, in order to understand a product, you needed to basically put together this patent. 
and it you know it's an abstract it includes images there's a description of the project of the, of the product again the background of the invention and the summary of the invention i mean all of these and then it goes into this really cool description of the drawings to make this thing right mm -hmm. and it's literally figure one figure two it's all in uh written form well now in 2017 forget about that mm. right we're not reading these things we're watching them and because we're watching them and they're being spread like mm. you know hot cake like all over the media then yeah. we're able to like connect to this product in a much different way mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we even forget like I, like I mentioned that you know this, this could have a therapeutic uh, component to it or an artistic component to it which was what ray said and then you know like how far can you go with the designs and with the creativity that's really cool but all of that is because of the accessibility of internet because of youtube because of media and because we can mm -hmm. <laughs> and anybody can that's the other thing it's mm -hmm. not just a specific uh, set of people right it's like kids you know from like you know eight years old to you know, adults who want to pay a thousand dollars for a spinner. Right. Yep. Right. It's funny as you were, because I'm watching you scroll through that patent one. It almost reads like an instructable stage um, when you think about it. Yep. But uh, yeah. Anyway. So. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, so. I think the next step then with this discussion is. I think I think we've talked enough about you know the possible therapeutic needs and even you know some of the reasons why people are making them and stuff um i think maybe we should go to the product of the week that's linked to this topic yeah i totally want to hear but, about this product yeah but you know what i got a question for you shoot um because we you know we, we've talked a lot of generalities hmm. i'm curious what you guys actually think you guys what do you think about these things like, do I, like, are you like saying, for do, you, I, yeah. do I think it's therapeutic in that need? Um, I mean, just you personally, not necessarily whether you believe that it's therapeutic. I mean, how, what do you feel about it? Well, I mean, it's funny because until, I think it's a hard thing to understand until you actually hold one in your hand, like, and, and have it for like a week or for more than like, you know, oh, I'm playing with it at the stable. Like, literally, if you take it with you and carry it for a week or a couple of days, I think you'll find yourself spinning it, not realizing you're even doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things because, you know, honestly, when I first saw him, I remember seeing in the the different three D printing, uh, um, the different three D printing websites and and Thingiverse. I remember seeing him on there, and I was like, oh, what, is, what is this this garbage? Why would anybody want this? You know, <laughs> and yeah. and as I was, I I printed out one. So that I, so that we could bring them to Miami Maker Fair and stuff. The one I, and uh, it was just one I had found in in Thingiverse, and I printed. It. I'm like, ah, let, let's do it. Let's make one. I I started. I took it to work with me a couple of days, and I just found myself spinning it, like without really meaning to. So I th like, I I, th I really do stand by this thing that I think we as a society have sort of moved ourselves into the point where this toy or this. Thing is, is a little bit of a necessity. That's why we find mm -hmm. ourselves, you know, clicking a pen or you know tapping on the table or whatever. Um, I think we've maybe not a necessity, but you know, it has a, a role in our everyday life, and we've made that sort of come to be. That's how I feel about it. 
So you think it's a reflection on the nature of society and yeah. how we are affected? <laughs> they the, do. The, even subconsciously, how stressful society can be, you don't even right. realize it. Yeah. I, I think we've sort of pushed ourselves at a certain technological level where toys themselves have, like, the, the f we've pushed ourselves to a point where, like, our hands just can't stand still for long periods of time. Yeah. You know? Well, that's interesting because I, I, I agree with everything you said, hmm. but for me, it's very personal. Like, and I, I didn't think it would be this personal because I just thought it was like, wait, what? Like, I couldn't believe that Ray was, you know, like doing, doing this, like creating this product too. And it was like, okay, well, what is it about? And now that I read more about it, but again, I go back to the patent, um, in the description, it's, you know, one of the things it says is like, uh, again, as a diversion, whether you're, you're inside the car or inside a house, it is normal, natural to want to move or fidget. And I'm like, I think about it, like, I'm in the car, and sometimes, like, I, I will go and grab my phone, you know, you I'm, like, waiting at a red light, or, like, or I change the, the, the station, the stations, for no reason. right? But if I have, you know, if I have this this, this spinner in my hand, that, that it's it's even a safety, uh, a safety factor for me, right? Yeah, that I can, like, relax with it. But the other part of it is I realize playing around with different ones, I realize how my hands are short. And I have really, small. really small short fingers. fingers. Yeah. I have really short fingers. So I need a spinner that accommodates me and suits my body. And it makes a difference. If I'm you know, using a bigger or a wider or some other type of um, spinner, I can feel that comfortable level shifting. Mm -hmm. you know? And then when I find that good one, you know, <laughs> it feels good. You know, the like one. a lot of the one. Yeah. Then it's like, yeah, I can definitely see it as part of like this EDC, like everyday carry thing. That is something very, very personal to you, and well, that you're using. It's interesting that you mention it like that because there are, uh, you know, and I'm part of several different spinner groups. Um, they they all discuss, you know, looking for that one fidget spinner that they gotta have. Because what you'll find is that the people and and of course when I when I talk about this I I'm talking about the you know the the higher level of, of spinners not the the three dollar plastic ones but um, those those higher level metal ones uh, the people that own them don't don't own one or two they own thirty or forty mm -hmm. and and the reason is because they're all so different and they might like one aspect of one and another aspect of another one. Or uh, for some people who are compulsive, it has become a thing to collect. Mm. And uh, I think that even in that manner, it might be therapeutic because they've got this compulsion to collect things. And now they're collecting toys that are supposed to help you to fight your, you know, initially to fight that anxiety. So uh, I find it quite fascinating. So what a lot of them will do, if they're not, Hardcore collectors. Hardcore collectors will buy like one of every model of a, of a manufacturer that they really like, and then they never sell it. They keep them uh, and they use them periodically. And then you have people that buy whenever a new one comes out, they'll buy it. They'll buy maybe two or three different versions of it. They'll try it, and within a day or two, sell the one they don't like. Mm. So because they're just they're trying to find the one or two that they really like. They might only keep five. But they've bought forty or fifty, and they turn around and sell them within a within a day. Some of them within the very day they receive it, 
They sell them. They sell them. Uh, yes, and I've seen that. So it's quite interesting. They're they're within that market. They're searching, mm-hmm. like you like you were saying. You know, the one they are looking for that one that they gotta have. Mm-hmm. The one that feels right. The one that feels right. And everybody's and like you said, everybody's hands are different. Um, everybody's uh, desire to fidget is different. The actual desire. Some people want to do it fast. Some people want to do it slow. Some people want to spin and see, sit there and let it and watch it spin for for seven or eight minutes. Mm-hmm. I call I call that because I get that question a lot. Mm-hmm. I get that. Well, how long does it spin for? That's the number one question, and I find it quite annoying <laughs> because uh, for me, a fidget toy is something that you use to fidget with. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you spin it for a few seconds and you spin it again and you keep messing with it and flick it back and forth. So uh, what has when they ask you, I'm sorry, that's also, go ahead. That's also such a hard thing to answer because if I hit it harder than you, it's going to spin longer than. Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's too subjective. It's subjective but, what, yeah. but what they want to see is they want to know that it spins for like four minutes or three mm-hmm. minutes or eight minutes. Or, or some people even get 18 minutes out of them. Jeez. And, and my answer to them whenever they ask me that question is this is a fidget toy. If you're looking to spin it on your, ta- on your desk, Go make a sandwich, mm-hmm. take a shower, have a beer, yeah. come back and check on it and to see that it's spinning. Maybe go make yourself a cup of tea and come back and sit to watch it wind down. This is not for you. This is not <laughs> a go make a sandwich spinner. Uh, and and a lot of them laugh. They find it funny because at that moment, because I, I've made it such an extreme example, they realize it's a little ridiculous kind of a question. And, uh, and a lot of them, they find it funny, and they go, "Yeah, I'm, I'm only interested in in fidgeting with it. I was just kind of curious, mm-hmm. you know." And then the ones that don't answer me, they're, they they're the ones that wanted the time record. The record yeah, they time. wanted some kind of record breaker, and right. I'm like, "This is not a record breaker. I'm not making them for that." Right. And yeah. then and and then that's another that's another aspect of it. You have manufacturers that are focusing in on either you know long time spinners or fidgeters you know they're, they mm. they've kind of differentiated themselves in what they're manufacturing mm. so it's become quite a quite an interesting market i would right. say yeah. yeah i mean and i would say because i was the person that looked at it and thought well this is ridiculous i i, I would say like you're not going to know you need it until you, you you use it or you have it for a while so like don't look down on it you know yeah. as like oh what why do you want that piece of that piece of plastic or whatever you know Yeah. So. Honestly, I was the same way. I thought it was kind of a silly thing. Yeah. And then, of course, when I made those first 200, there was a few that were re- rejects that mm-hmm. had defects in them. So I, I had them in my desk and I started playing with them. And, uh, yeah, you know, it grew on me. It did. It, it, right. Honestly, it grew on me. And that's what prompted me to start experimenting with a few other ones. And then, I, of course, you know, the design of the uh, of the gears came up. And, and, and that's that. Yeah, but and then it's interesting because one of the things that I, I that I was also we had some teachers that came by at the maker fair. It was like an awesome maker fair, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how like they've seen their their students use it at school, right? right? And I wonder how much like two two questions came out of that, and you know she wasn't able to answer it, but you know it wasn't like I was like you know asking her like to give me the the answer, but one is what's the you know is it really distracting kids and is this is it distracting the, the classroom or because it's supposed to be for the opposite right it's supposed mm-hmm. to keep you focused 
So, or maybe is it helping? But, um, so that's one part. And then the other question is that, and then she seemed to allude to it, that there is a, uh, it's a trend. Mm-hmm. It, there's a shelf life to this, you know, like kids like, like one little thing first and then they'll move on to the next thing that comes up. Mm-hmm. And this may go quickly for the kids at least, but maybe not for the adults. So, you know, what's the shelf life for this particular product? Well, and I'll tell you this, in the 3D printing community, it sort of looked as a trend as well. You know, people were saying, saying like, you know, a year ago we were 3D printing this. This time, right now, we're 3D printing everybody, 3D printing spinners. You know, in six months from now, it's going to be something else. So a lot of people yeah. see it that way as well. So Yeah. yeah. We'll see. You know what it kind of reminds me of, though? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in some... In one right, in one regard, do you remember uh, those conservation of momentum balls that were like these? It was an a, like a an executive's desk toy. Yeah, you would pull one. Three? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, though there was a time in the eighties, I'm guessing, is when that was that you saw them in all, every commercial, right. every movie, every TV show. People talked about it. People had to have it. Uh, this is kind of the same thing, only. Mm-hmm. Uh, fits in your hand instead of sitting on your desk. Right. Yeah, you take it to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you can share it it's, with others. <laughs> it's you funny. can, but you know what? People are very personal about their spinners. They don't, yeah. especially, <laughs> especially the high dollar ones. They don't want. Oh yeah, that's dropping true. It. Yeah. The dropping it too. Yeah, that's another yeah. thing. It's like no. Oh. It's funny because you're right. In the '90s, it was like the the hourglass things, but they were all different. Yeah, like yeah, you would have ones that were like water and oil, and they would go through different. Oh yes, yes, yeah. I remember those. Now it's like how how long does it spin? Mm. You know, like what can I do within one spin? Like Ray mm. said, like go make yeah, a sandwich. I mean, the interesting, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Is just uh, I don't know. It, it, you would think because of where it, where it initiated from, it would have more of a uh, shelf life than that. But I don't know. We'll see. It is funny though because some of the teachers were saying that there's considering starting to ban them in schools because kids are being distracted by them so much. Like a, yeah. a thing that started as a focus <laughs> toy is now being so distracted they're going to ban them. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and I, I would question the wisdom of, of allowing children to bring these to school right. in the same way as I would question allowing cell phones in school. You know, I don't, I don't, think, the, I don't think that's the environment for these kind of things. Unless you need it for some type of... You know, if you're taking a test or something like that. Right, like if you need it to focus. <laughs> I'm already putting, like, you know, yeah. times where I would need it. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yeah. Okay. It would be really helpful. Especially if it's one particular um, product of, you know, spinner product. Oh, look at you. You're trying to make a transition. There. Yes. A seamless, seamless transition. Seamless. To, yeah. yeah. Very, good, very well done. <laughs> And now we cue the music. Do, yeah. do, 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 do. <laughs> Let's go to the product of the week. All right. So we are we are laughing about the product of the week because you know we normally start the product of the week by having a disclaimer about how we're not associated with it and with the product and whatnot. So this this is a different disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Completely. Yeah. Opposite. Exactly, because <laughs> in this case, we are affiliated with the product of the week, and we wanted to make it sort of, you know, all tie in, as so far the, the show has all tied in seamlessly, as one might say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So this week, the product of the week is the spinners that you make, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so like you said, full disclosure, mm-hmm. I make these spinners. I mm-hmm. do sell them. And um, if you buy them, I do profit from them, right? Yeah, that is, ideally, that is, I mean, that is how a business works. That is how business works <laughs> yes. so that no one can say that we were not clear about it. Right. So, yeah, um, well, kind of how we alluded to it uh, during, the sh- during the main part of the, to- of the topic, um, you know, I kind of got into the making of these uh, spinners by accident. Uh, first, you know, I made a group of spinners for a client, and then I started exploring uh, this concept. And... Um, it ended up becoming so big that I had to start another company. It's called Real Gear Spinners, and the website is realgearspinners.com. And the reason it's called Real Gear Spinners is because it's the only one, the only fidget toy, the only spinner that is actually made from actual real gears. And in my typical fashion, uh, if it if it's something is worth doing, it is worth overdoing. <laughs> so. <laughs> So um, the uh, the gear spinners and, and you've seen the, some of the pictures. I don't think you've actually seen one up up close, have you? Yeah, you brought him to Nova. Oh, that the single gear one. Yeah, the single gear one. Yeah, single yeah. You, gear you one. didn't you didn't bring the nine the nine gear one. Yeah. 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 So and it's a good thing I did, and that was that's too expensive to let kids <laughs> play with. Yeah. But um, so we're. We discussed, you know, the, your typical spinner is a solid body with a bearing and two caps. Uh, basically, in its minimalistic form, it's four parts. Um, my, my simplest gear spinner is 22 parts. Mm-hmm. So it contains three gears, and it's set up in a planetary configuration. So the center gear is the sun gear, and the other gears revolve around it. Uh, and since... The initial three-gear spinner uh, concept I have branched off and made uh, uh, four-gear, five-gear, six-gear, seven-gear, and nine-gear spinners. Mm-hmm. So the most complicated one is the nine-gear, which is consists of uh, 52 parts, nine gears, and 10 bearings. So where your typical spinner has one bearing, uh, the nine-gear has 10 bearings in it. So uh, And it's got a lot of individual... Uh, custom machine parts in it to uh, to make it all work. So, um, I, you know, I've got these videos on my on my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and one of the uh, comments I always get is because something has happened with that nine gear. That nine gear really captures people's imagination. It's a mm-hmm. machine, and it's uh, they love the way it spins, uh, and it is expensive. It is expensive mm-hmm. to make and. Yeah, you know how expensive it is. I don't, right. I don't know if we should even discuss it, honestly, but uh, it's probably can, the most... We can ex- mention it. I mean, we mentioned it for other products. I think you could you can mention how expensive it is. <laughs> if you feel comfortable with it, I, I don't Yeah, know. so my 9-gear is a $600 spinner. It is not the most expensive, but it is one of the more mm-hmm. expensive ones. Um, but that's not to say it's the only one I make. I make my least expensive one is $30 and, and you know, and everything in between. Right. So there's a... There's a gear spinner for every budget. But when people see the video and they see that nine gear, they are so in love with it that they want to buy one and then they get angry. <laughs> they, they get angry because they can't afford it. And I, and I find that strange. Mm-hmm. And I find it strange because I cannot afford a Ferrari, but I'm not mad at Ferrari that I can't afford their car. Right. You know, I don't... 
Mm. I'm not sending them angry letters. How can you? How dare you make such an expensive car? But you're also not a car guy in that sense necessarily. Uh, no, but I would. Uh, hey, I would love to own a Ferrari, <laughs> 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 uh, but I can't afford it, so I'm not well, going to cry think, about it. Well, yeah, that's a discussion. I think you would love to own a Ferrari because of the amount of money you would have that you could afford other stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, it's one of those things. If right. uh, like if you go if you go into a Ferrari dealership, you will see that there are no prices on the cars. Right. And the reason there's no prices is because if you walk in there, and you have to ask how much it is, it's because you can't afford it. Right, yeah, price is not an issue when you walk in there. Exactly. Right. You're talking about a car that's several hundred thousand dollars. Right. You are not. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's weird. People, uh, uh, you know, when I have these these gear spinners, the one that they want the most mm-hmm. is the one that they can't afford. Yeah. I find that, yeah. that kind of weird. Well, I mean, cause I, I, I guess I could. Yeah, no, I can't see it either. But <laughs> it does because it is it's not, it's an item that's not not required for living like it's not well, I mean, a necessity i agree right. it's not a necessity so it's something they want and when you can't have something you want you know i don't get angry when i can't have something i want but i do get a little bit like oh i really wish i could have that you know yeah so yeah yeah it's interesting i mean i i think you know i've seen a lot of spinners in the last whatever four or five months six months that we've known about spinners yeah and uh, i think the nine gear spinner is by far sort of the most unique yeah one i've seen out there um there's a lot of sculptural ones that do like when you spin them they make crazy shapes and things like that that i've seen Mm -hmm. but you know when it comes to terms of a machine you know like you said it has 52 parts i don't know of another spinner that has 52 parts um, uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. of anyone uh, that has that many mm. intricate parts and pieces all right. meshing together and working in unison. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think in that sense, the price makes sense, you know. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a complex machine. So. And, yeah. and here's the thing: is that uh, I have to assemble each and every one myself because I need to know. Right. At that price point, I cannot have a failure. Right. So I need to make sure that I am aware of every component that's working correctly, and I mm-hmm. test them out. And the problem, of course, is I cannot do it. I cannot assemble during working hours. So mm-hmm. usually it's after hours. I'm in the shop till three in the morning, putting these together. And so it's uh, you know it's quite the effort to to make these. Right. I mean, I think to a degree, when you when you're talking about this level of spinner, it's not the 3D printed spinner that people are making at home, it is really a work of art that's being sold for people to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. correct. Yeah. And now, some of the features of it, you can spin, when you're talking about the nine gear spinner, you can spin a single gear, right, on its own, as well as the whole thing. Uh, yeah, there's, there's really two things. is You can spin it in your hand like a regular hand spinner. Um, or you can hold the body and, and spin the gears. Now, because all the gears are connected to each other, when you spin one, you're spinning all the others. Right. Yeah. Right. But you can also both. sort of fidget with it that way. It's sort of like fidget, toy, and spinner all in one. Correct. It's both right. of them. And I think that's part of the attraction, why people right. like them so much. And, you know, it's weird. It was just um, it's an idea that, that I, I came up with because – of the environment that I'm working in. We do a lot of gears, mm-hmm. make a lot of gears. We're making machines all the time. So for me, it was not a big s- stretch of the imagination uh, to make this kind of spinner. It, it's just a miniaturization of it. Right. But uh, it clearly has captured the imagination of so many people. And, uh, 
complete surprise to me. Uh, and the orders have been overwhelming. Right now, the next shipments are, are back ordered till June. Gives you an idea of the demand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the thing you didn't mention is when you first came up with the ideas, because you had a gear at your at your at my desk. desk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when you tell people that story. So yeah, I had a so I, I did the alpha spinner, and then uh, when I did the alpha spinner, someone asked me about the the Batman. So I did the Batman spinner, and at that point, I'm like, well, you know, this is this is interesting. And I had a, a gear sitting at my desk. And it's been on my desk. I use it as a paperweight for at least five years now. Mm. Uh, and I said, I was thinking to myself, you know, this might be kind of interesting as a, as a spinner. I haven't seen anyone make one out of actual gears. Uh, they've made some that are like pretend gears. They look sort of like a gear, but it's not a gear. So I said, well, let me make one that's an actual real gear. And I made the video called the Real Gear Spinner. That's how it started. Uh, and, of course, that video just exploded. People loved it. Uh, I had almost on a daily basis, uh, almost even on an hourly basis, offers to buy that spinner. And I'm like, what is the big deal? It's just the gear. And it's just, this, I mean, well, I don't, what's the, and, and the reason is because it captured people's imagination because no one, had taken an industrial part like a gear mm -hmm. and made it into made a spinner. It. And it was the first one that was available and people went crazy. Mm -hmm. And since it was the only one I had, I'm like, well, I can't sell this one. I wanted to keep this one for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I still have it. And then um, uh, I, I know that there's gear rod that you can buy. You can buy the gear shape in a long foot long, two foot long piece of material. Mm -hmm. So I, I ordered a piece and I and I sliced a few of them up and made the three gear one real you know uh, over the course of a few days just to the prototype and uh, I put it up just to see if there would be any interest mm -hmm. and there was interest there was interest for for about five of them I sold five and that was it and I thought well you know nobody would buy these that was all the interest was going to be when those people got those five they made videos and they talked about it so much that it exploded before i knew it i was making a hundred of them yeah and uh, i think i made almost 200 in total wow and then and then of course after after that had its run people were asking well can you do one with four gears instead of three and with five gears and i said you know what let me do a whole suite of these mm -hmm. and that's how the rest of them were born yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's a real cool spinner. Um, it is very high-end for some people. Since this, because it's been a few months that you've been at this, yeah, you've also had some copies starting to come out. Yes, so, you know, as, when as I... Late as, uh, as late as the other day, I, yesterday I think I was on my Facebook and I saw somebody was using your, your video to advertise yes. spinners they're making. Yeah. Yes, so uh, China has been. Everybody knows that China uh, makes forgeries. They they have been. They have. China has been in the counterfeiting business for a very long time. Right. Uh, you know, if you're talking about Nike shoes or Reebok shirts or, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton purses, uh, China has had no regard for intellectual property or creativity. Mm 
Mm. By the way, I really appreciate how you like how we mentioned China as a holistic <laughs> yes producer, right? China as a whole, China, Chinese, yeah. but it's China. <laughs> and in particular, there's there's one area called Shenzhen, mm. which is is yes. known as the the uh, counterfeit capital. Yeah. So, in fact, I think it's like ninety percent of counterfeits come from Shenzhen, mm. and this market is has been targeted. So. Mm. What's happened is um, they have they have counterfeited just about all of the high end spinners, and you know I'm just the guy making these these uh, gear spinners, and I I made the video for the nine gear. Mm -hmm. I really didn't think that anybody would be interested in it at all, and of course I underestimated the appeal to it, and part of that is because I've been staring at it for months. It took me mm -hmm. two months to develop, and I was staring at it for so long that it's just another thing to me. Well. The minute fresh eyes started looking at it, it really exploded, and some of those fresh eyes were were Chinese cloners, mm. uh, or how they are known as are they're known as pirates, they uh, they're design pirates, and it's really exactly what it is. They're they're pirating someone's idea, mm. so they have made no attempt to even modify it as their own. They had make they make an exact copy. And they have been selling them, or at least trying to sell them on Facebook. But uh, it's it's an interesting community that that uh, is around these kind of high end uh, spinners. That everybody knows. I was the one who originated it, and I'm the original designer. And the minute they pop up, the minute a a forgery uh, pops up, they they go in attack mode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I get all these messages that uh, it, a forgery has popped up, and they attack them so much that they end up pulling it down. Uh, so the the example you mentioned from this morning was someone sent me a message that there was a uh, a, uh, a counterfeit, and he was uh, a counterfeiter who was trying to sell a counterfeit nine gear, and downloaded my video to help uh, market his counterfeit so he downloaded my video from youtube and uploaded it to facebook and was using it as a marketing tool to sell his counterfeit um luckily facebook has a copyright infringement policy and i had to file a, a complaint form but not before he was able to generate 500 views from my video <clears throat> so those are 500 impressions that he took advantage of right. uh you know, with my video, but um, the good news is that it's a black mark, and if they get another one, they could be permanently banned from Facebook. So there is that advantage. But yeah, as far as I know, there are three companies in in China and one in Russia that is counterfeiting my nine gear. And I've seen. I think I thought yesterday I saw I saw one on Thingiverse for people to sort of print themselves. You know, oh, nine gear. Yeah, nine gear one to three D print ah. themselves, um, which at least they're not trying to make money off of. They're just sort of putting a design out there for people that can't afford, you know, six hundred dollar one. Yeah, you know, at least that's uh, that's slightly different. But yeah, yeah, it is slightly, slightly <laughs> different. Right. Slightly, very slightly. Right. Did I, did they at least give me credit for the initial design? Uh, you know, I I didn't really I I, didn't I can it? open it now. I didn't really look at it because I wasn't going to download or anything. I wasn't planning on it, but. I'll, I'll I'll read it and then send it to you. A very interesting product. Um, 
and uh, people should check it out. You know, maybe they can they can find one that they can afford. So, just uh, some, I guess, general questions about the product. Right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so you are you only make it available? You're only selling it online? Yes. Right now, it's only online. Okay. And then, um, so. I mean, I think that's really cool. Like when I went to your website, um, the way that you're promoting it, you're not like promoting it in other, in other places, like in the spinner community or the EDC community, like most of the traffic and marketing that you're for, for your product is, is predominantly coming to your website. And it's Correct. That's you. the only place you can buy my uh, gear spinners is from my website. There's no other place you can buy it. And you are, and that's where you're advertising it mainly. Like, so you're basically advertising it in your YouTube channel, and then it goes to your. To your Correct, and in, and in my YouTube channel, uh, what I've done is, um, when it, because people will ask me how much, and I and I tell them, look, these are for sale on my website. The prices are over there. I don't even mention pricing in my on my YouTube channel because for me, the YouTube channel is about exploring creativity and ideas. I don't want it to be a selling platform. So I don't discuss pricing. I said, look, uh, the website has all the pricing. If you're interested in it, just go over there. But some people uh, get angry and they come back. They go to the website. Instead of sending me a message, they come back to YouTube and, and you post expensive. a comment how expensive it is and this, and they they're get angry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just told you, I, I, I don't want the YouTube channel to be a selling platform. So I end up deleting those messages. You know? Right. <laughs> that's really interesting. It's weird, so, yeah. Because yeah. you're accessible, so like I mean, that's yeah. that's one of the one of, that's one of the things, right? I mean, it's like people will go through a Kickstarter. Were there? And I guess this is a general question: Were there spinners on Kickstarter? Uh, you know, I've never looked. I mean, the original one that we saw, Mike Hogarty's one, was in Kickstarter, right? Yes, yeah. and then the uh, they had a follow up with Chris uh, yeah. Chris Bathgate, right? So those were which. Yeah, that, and that was a Kickstarter, and that one, as far as I know, is the most expensive one. Mm. It's about, uh, it's seven hundred dollars. It's hundred dollars more expensive than mine. Mm. So yeah, so what's interesting is that because you are so accessible on your YouTube channel, right? And it's like exactly. it's exactly what you say that it's more of a a show and tell, and show and how maybe, and you know, yeah, or yeah. like um, very educational too, right? And and you are, you know, people can ask you questions. I mean, you do the same thing oh, with yeah. your other like Facebook groups and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, when a product is is um I guess it's not marketed in 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 a very uh, harsh way. And I, I don't know what to say. I don't know if I want to say harsh, but aggressive. Like, aggressive, aggressive, yeah, aggressive, yeah. In a very aggressive way, it's interesting how how it sort of like morphs itself into okay, well, it's it's very tied to your work. And at the same time, you you know, like you you've done everything that you needed to do, which is like you know, set up a really good website, a very simple website. Like you just go in there, and this is what it's about, and this is what it is, and there's are videos about it, and this is what you get. I love your FAQ. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure everything is clear so that there are no um, misunderstandings. Yeah, and and I think that that's something that you know, even from uh, you know, and most of our audiences now that they've been following, they know how I feel about Kickstarter a little bit, right? About you know how like a little just, bit a little bit like there's just i mean and i love kickstarter it's not the kickstarter yeah. part it's those that use kickstarter and don't end up you know giving a good product and actually following up and and thinking about customer service and when i when i saw your faq i was i liked it because it was like 
you know, like, well, what happens if you see corruption? You know, it's like, don't panic. This is what we, you know, you can do. And it's almost like you're, you're talking to someone and you're taking them to those steps in which is like a very good, um, responsible product, I think, in a very yeah. simple way. Like, you're not going out of your way either. You know, it's like very simple, very straightforward, which is like what I really appreciate. And then the design, of course, that, you know, there's novelty in there, there's innovation in this. And, and then you almost see that it's sad that you that you know you do get this pirate versions of it out yeah. there because you you know you have been providing this in a in a very um, very responsible way like how you've been selling this product so yeah. but it, I think it's it's interesting I mean it is not it's definitely I don't, I don't think it would be something that you would be able to patent or or would it be. Would it be um, worth it or not? Really, I mean, there are so many spinners, and they're basically all the same. You know, you have a center axis, you have a, a bearing, you have a body that spins around it. Really, the only thing you can do is maybe copyright a, a, the design itself. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but even that is a stretch because uh, the issue, of course, is that it's being counterfeit in China, where they don't the, even the government does not yeah. recognize intellectual property. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, uh, I say a few years ago, probably eight or ten years ago, um, uh, Apple had an issue with Chinese counterfeiting, and I can't remember which product it was, if it was one of the iPods or if it was um, one of the phones. I can't remember what the product was, but the Chinese said, well, yeah, we're already making these. We're going to make our own version and sell it for one-third the price. Yeah. And... Uh, Apple fought it in the court in the Chinese courts and lost. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So the courts don't recognize intellectual property or rights thereof. Yeah, and what I you know what I heard from one at one of the maker fairs and Nova is like, well, you know, we can't worry about about that. You know, the the, the focus here is on innovate and the next innovation. Yeah, that sounds like Mike Hogarty. <laughs> exactly. That sounds just like him, yeah. Yeah, it's like, let's not worry about that. Let's just focus on this other new thing. Um, and it's funny you should yeah. say that, that because that $700 spinner that, that they came up, the Chris Bathgate design, mm -hmm. Chris Bathgate is a uh, an artist that does machine work. He does artwork as machine work, mm -hmm. <clears throat> machine parts and components. He's in Baltimore, actually. Mm -hmm. um, th th that design was counterfeited and was already being sold before the initial Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter uh, orders were made and shipped. Okay. That's how fast. They're very good at looking at a picture and making a copy. Wow. And so the counterfeits were actually out in the world before the original ones were. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a problem. It's definitely a problem. It's just like Kickstarter. It's definitely a problem. But it's also good that, you know, you're able to share your... Your All cats are going crazy over there. <laughs> and that was a dog too. I think he like realized, right. oh, there's food there. But anyway, so yeah, very cool, Ray. I really appreciate this. I mean, I, uh, I have to say, I wish all of you know the other products that we, we review or we talk about here in our, in our podcast would you know we would be able to have an awesome conversation with the, with the maker. Like we just did with Ray. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, tough, that's <laughs> a tough part about it because some people don't want to have the conversation. No, they don't want to ask answer the questions either. Yeah, right? like 
yeah, well, we were, I mean, just an example, the, the Glowforge we talked about, one of the, probably one of the first ones we talked about, uh, and the Miami Maker Fair, I was having a conversation with the guy that ordered one, and he's still waiting, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, it's weird, because I keep seeing um, ad. advertising for it, mm-hmm. but they haven't mm-hmm. shipped any. Uh, word is they've shipped a few of the initial Kickstarter ones, but they haven't shipped any of the ones that are ordered, or pre-ordered, or whatever it is, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and it's tough to get answers for it. <clears throat> so, but anyways, let's uh, go on to the next segment of the show. All right, so we are to, what are, what's everybody working on? Or reading or watching? Or, it's a very, very... Or not doing? Or not doing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, so this one came out of uh, a little bit out of the Maker Fair, uh, Miami work, uh, and then just going to the different Maker Fairs and like seeing a need and also an opportunity. So I've been doing a, a little bit of, I guess, how do you say it in English? Reconnaissance, like trying to figure out, you know, to gather more supporters in, in this particular um, need or uh project that I'm trying to get into specifically about uh, fabrication labs here in the district and making fabrication labs more accessible. So at the MLK library, which is our central DC library, is going through a three-year renovation and the fabrication lab, which is a public space, um, public makerspace, uh, is in limbo right now. We don't know where it's going to go, what they're going to do with all the machines, if they're going to be in storage, if they're going to be spread out. And there's really no communication with the users, which would be the general public, which technically are the taxpayers who funded all of that awesome um, facility. So, you know, thinking about going like at the Maker Fair Miami, uh, Miami Dade com- uh Public libraries was there, and they have their own maker space, but they only have 3D printers. And it was really cool telling people about you know accessibility and the movement, and the 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 great advantage of having public fabrication labs. There's also a fabrication city or um, organization which is worldwide, and they um, they don't oversee, but they basically work with fabrication labs in different major cities. There's one here in D.C. It's a Fab Lab D.C. Um, but you know, they're unaccessible in my view. And I, I I don't mind saying that at all, how inaccessible they are and that it's a membership base. It's only for a specific, uh, demo, um, demography, like a specific group of people that are using it. And, um, so I, I want to like, so what I've been working on right now is building a network of, uh, youth based organizations here in the district that work with youth and art. And technology, so I'm, I'm, I've been already talking to at least three of them about putting together a letter that will, um, a policy letter, a policy letter ask specifically to the DC Public Library about the future of the Fab Lab and how we can, uh, how they they have a responsibility to make that more public and more accessible for the rest of us for the next three years that the library is going to be closed, that the actual facility is going to be closed. So all of this to say how a little bit of policy or a little bit of action and grinding on, on building a network of 
organizations that could use this will hopefully lead to having a public fabrication lab or labs um, throughout the city. And, mm -hmm. and that's sort of like my goal. And, um, and I'm, I'm, right now I'm in the process of getting more people to, to join me in this effort. So more organizations specifically and youth specifically. So if anybody wants to out there that is listening and wants to join me in this effort, please feel free to do so. Claudia at Made Podcast, because that's what I've been working on right now. Cool. Very, very cool. What about you, Ray? Any, aside from the late nights making spinners? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, apart from that, which there's plenty of that going on. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, you know, just working on my YouTube channel. Uh, recently, I started back working on my boat. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll be finishing that up probably. I'm hoping to finish it up within the next 30 days. Nice. The problem, of course, is that the boat is at the sh at the machine shop, and I don't have any woodworking tools oh. at the mm. machine shop. So I need to actually bring it back home so I can finish the job here. So um, I put together a trailer. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that trailer. So I assembled a trailer that I'm going to modify so I can put the boat on it. And I actually uh, was it yesterday. I went yesterday and got it tagged and titled, Oops. so it's legal. And now I can start modifying it to put my boat on top of. Very cool. So, yeah, hoping to have that finished pretty soon because I want to get out of the water. I want to get out of the water. In the yeah. <laughs> I get very seasick, so you guys have fun. I'll put you in the little one, the little plastic one. No, no. You'll wear it. No. Yeah, I, I probably sink. <laughs> um, cool. Very cool. Uh, for myself, so I have two things. One thing that I, I did for Miami Maker Fair, which, uh, you know, I thought I'm like, I'm going to design my own spinner. I, I downloaded one and I printed one and I was like, oh, I'm going to make my own. So I was calling it the science spinner. I don't know if you can see it from there, right? Oh, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Right. Um, and this funny story behind this, which I was telling people I was there. I don't know if you've heard this yet. You know, as I was drawing it, I, was, I, I drew it up in CAD first before I modeled it. You know, I was holding up a ruler. Like, one of the things you said while you were talking about the spinners is, like, they're usually about three inches. Yes. So I was holding Yeah, that's up, too big. <laughs> right. So I was holding up a ruler, and I was like, okay, yeah. You know, I wanted it to be a certain size so that the um, other bearings would fit, you know, around the outside like they like yeah. they do. So I kept pulling up. Like, uh, yeah, it's like an, it? electrons. Yeah. yeah, like electrons on an atom or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, you know, like, I measured in my hand, and I... I drew it up, I printed it and everything, I put it all together and I spun it in my hand. And I was like, perfect. I love it. Works great. Yeah, and but I, you have long fingers. Right. I handed it to Claudia. <laughs> I could not use she it. Could not I was spin so it. frustrated. Yeah. Uh, but the funny thing though is a lot of people at at Miami Maker Fair could spin them just just as well. You know, kids there were kids. Kids struggled. <laughs> there were some there were some kids that could spin it exactly. bigger hands than Claudia. My hands are um, like small. I bet you could spin it. Um, huh. it well, is, what does that measure? So it's almost it's four inches across. That's four, the big it's size. like four and a half almost actually, or <laughs> four and a quarter, I believe was what it was. Um, so I, I think I'm also going to make a, a small version of it with like smaller bearings. Um, what what bearings do you have in the in the center? Uh, six oh eight. It's a six oh eight bearing. Six oh eight. Yeah, they're all six oh eight. Yeah. Ah. Um, because I've got some R188s that are very very nice for that. Right. Those are the smaller ones, right? That's yeah. the ones. Yeah. Because yeah. I have so many parts. Right. I got to bring it all together. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, I made this and a lot of people wanted to buy it right then and there. So, I was like, no, I'm not selling anything here. So, I might print a few more just to put for sale. But, you know, that's that's one thing I've been working on is, you know, a little. A little How much spinner. filament did that use? 
Not very much, because um, no. it's not solid on the inside. Like what one of the things you hold it, it's pretty sturdy, but yeah. it's not actually solid. You know, it still has a twenty percent infill, and it's fairly rigid for only having twenty percent infill. So I forget how many grams it was, but it's not very much. If I take the bearings out of here, this thing weighs nothing. Uh huh. So. And how long did that take to print? Uh, I I printed this one at the highest resolution, so it took six hours to print. Wow. Yeah. Um, you, I can print it at a lower resolution. It probably take like three. You know, so that I'm kind of curious. People were saying, "Are you selling it? Did they make you any offers?" Uh, they were asking me how much you would sell it, how much I would sell it for. Yeah. And you know, when you look at there's places you can look and people sell them on sell plastic ones online, like the standard plastic 3 D 3D printed spinner. They'll yeah. sell for like six bucks online, like exactly, at an Etsy yeah. store. You know, this is. One, it's much much larger. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's also sort of a different design. It's more of a custom design. I'd probably I don't know put it for like twelve, thirteen dollars, something like that. Yeah. And people. Well, I mean, would, it's always hard because right. you say, oh, you leave the printer running and it's just doing its own thing. Right. But the machine has wear and tear and it's consuming electricity. Right. You really need to think about what the machine time costs you, mm -hmm. because, for example, in in my shop, if I, if a machine is running. And nobody is standing in front of the machine, but the machine is running. The cost of that machine is $75 an hour hmm. because there's electricity, there's bits that are broken, wear and tear on the machine. You know, those machines are expensive to repair. Hmm. Uh, it's not unusual when a machine goes down, you have to uh, get a technician to come in. If that technician is there one day, it's $3,500. Hmm. Two days, is $5,000. And it's, it's just that simple. So you have to kind of pay for all that stuff in every hour of operation. So, you know, I don't know what that would be for you since you're running your little, um, your little print 3d printer, but I think you need to, if you're going to be selling stuff, have that, you know, yeah, I don't imagine, mind. I don't imagine doing like a big run of like 200 of this or anything like that. I think I'd like, I might make five and just put them up because there was interest from people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it's something design is interesting too, right. because you know, like, Science March is coming up this weekend, for example. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. having something like that for science. Yeah, so I think it's more of a novelty at this point. Like, I don't really see myself making a ton of them. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. At, si at six yeah. hours, if you say, oh, my operating cost is $5 an hour for the machine, mm -hmm. that's 30 bucks. Right. You know. Yeah, and I think in a sense, it's got to be like, I mean, this doesn't even begin to use one like you know the, the filament for a just material wise the yeah. filament for the 3d printer a kilogram of it is twelve dollars up to twenty dollars you know selling mm -hmm. this for thirteen dollars space for like you know a whole spool of plastic right off the bat which yeah. you're not even close to using for that you know mm -hmm. so then when you think about it materials wise you're not really using that much in selling this for 12 bucks no it's the other parts of it. So the rest of it sort of goes to that, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still got to think about it. But yeah, yeah so that's one thing. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is something actually that, well, I've been watching, Claudia's kind of been watching, but it's I want to recommend for other people to try out. And that's a new TV show <laughs> that's called Adam Carolla and Friends Make Stuff Live. You I know what? I heard about this. You've heard about it? Yeah. It's actually quite fun. 
It's funny. Uh, it's like, funny. I didn't sleep through it. So. Yeah. Well, you fell asleep for the last one that had the country music artist. Well, that's there. the reason. Why. I forget. Okay, I forget yeah, that's name. a good reason. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good reason. <laughs> um, but uh, like, if you check out the the first episode, which had Jimmy Kimmel in it, and uh, and you know Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel go way back. They used to yeah. the, the man show together. Yeah. Um, so it's quite funny, and they actually are building something as the the show's going on. The interesting part of it is that it's actually live. So, like, if the mistakes made, they can't co- they can't edit it out or whatever. They just sort of roll with it. Now, is it only available live, or is it recorded and then? Uh, well, it, we've been no, no editing. So no, there's no editing. It, it's live, right? It airs live, but you can also watch it. Like we, I've I've yet to watch it live. I've been watching it on demand, basically. So I'm sure if you have some kind of on demand service, whether it's Comcast or whoever, you could probably find it fairly easily what is it called again so it, it's got a long name it's adam corolla and friends make stuff live okay um it's on spike on the spike network okay and i believe it airs on sundays i don't remember exactly what date or split is gonna look it up real quick um but yeah i mean it's quite fun the the first episode was jimmy kimmel the second one was adam sandler and they were both funny you know they do they do games while so while the stuff is being built. He has three assistants, and you know they're sometimes the three assistants are building while the the other guys are doing some bits. You know they did some uh, some belt sander racing. They did uh, they had competitions where he, you've, you're blindfolded and you have to name the tool that's being used. So stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's on the Spike Channel on um, Mondays at. 11 p.m. or 10 10 p.m. Central. Yeah. So, people should check it out. It it was fun. Adam Carolla, apparently at one point before he got into comedy, was a contractor. So, and and his three assistants are real contractors. So, it's, you know, it's a fun time. It's worth watching. Yeah, and you can watch the full episodes online. Oh, there you go. You can watch them on the the, the website? On the Spike, yeah, on the Spike uh, channel, Adam Carolla... And friends build stuff live. Yeah. Search for it. And find it. It's fun. They build uh, the first episode was a loft. They build a loft. The second episode was a panic room. So you know they they do mostly household type stuff up to this point. So okay, yeah, it's a very good show. Check it out. It's a good show. It's it's it was it was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be when I first heard the the name of it and the concept. So so yeah that's everything well, we're working on yeah it's a show yeah so when we we've been at this for a while so we gotta wrap it up quickly uh why don't you tell people where they can find more about you ray why don't you go first well uh you can find out more about me at my youtube channel uh just type in ray pena i'll be the uh, first one to come up uh the homemade lathe group where we talk about the uh, problems and solutions for building homemade lathes and other machines. Uh, it's called Homemade Lathes, right on Facebook. And uh, my website, as we mentioned previously, if you're interested in any of the gear spinners, it is realgearspinners.com. Cool. Uh, you can find me at a um, couple of places on Twitter, uh, Made Podcast on Twitter, at um, DC Barrigan um, and The City Ecologist. And yeah, like anywhere on Made Podcast website, you have, you'll have all of our information there. Yep. Cool. And I am at City Aperture on pretty much everything Twitter, Facebook. I 
think even Instagram, even though I don't use it very much. Um, but yeah, so just check it out at City Aperture. And as Claudia mentioned, you can find the show is at Made Podcast on Twitter and madepodcast.com. Yeah, and if you like what you're hearing, also give us a like, not a like, give us a review on iTunes if you're listening through there. And yeah, that's it. Thanks. And if you don't like us, send me a, a message directly. Yes, that's right. <laughs> or you know, or this talk, is the or, complaints department. Or keep it to yourself. That's that's cool or, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's okay as well. Move on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Buy a spinner and move on. Or send me an email. I'll recommend other podcasts you can listen to that are funnier, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That'll work. But uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And if we met you at Miami Maker Fair and this is your first time listening, thanks for checking us out. Thank you so much. We had so much fun in, in Miami. So. Really appreciate it. All right. Bye bye.